I tell you what, the last several weeks, Wednesday night has been amazing. Sunday school has been amazing. Men's breakfast has been amazing. It's just been amazing. Every time we come together in a group like that, it's different. I mean, there's some stuff that's being said and done. If you're missing those, you're, you're really hurting yourself. There, there's a lot going on right now, folks. A lot going on. God's doing stuff. So, uh, man, he's been doing some serious stuff around us. I, I've really uh, been kind of thrown up in the air and going, wow, what's happening here? Uh, on the one hand here, I really feel like God's trying to move us in a way that we can look at people and be motivated by what moves them, the compassion on their life. I'll get into that here in a minute. But when we have that motivation in us, it, it was on Jesus as well. And because of it, many, many miracles were done on behalf of people. I think that the church as a whole in the world is in a need for that kind of thing again. We need miracles to be demonstrated because right now we're just in a big debate. It's like, which TV station do you watch, Fox or CNN? I mean, come on. At some point, we need more than that. You know, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is not in word. It's in action. It's what God does. And we need to see what God really can do. I think you're going to see it, too. I think it's on us right now, as a matter of fact. Now, turn with me to to the book of Hebrews. I want to give you a little uh, quick overview of the first few chapters of Hebrews, just kind of a 30,000-foot view of where this book is going, and then move into the, what I feel like the Lord is saying for us today. But the, this is one of the best books in the Bible, by the way. I say that about every book, but this really is an amazing book. Especially, if it's I would call it a, uh, um, Old Testament for dummies. That would be all, right? If you want to know what the Old Testament said, read the book of Hebrews. It kind of gives you an overview of what was it was all about. Uh, really excellent. Put together right. It's really a good book. But uh, some general view uh, ideas that comes out of the book of Hebrews, I want to just pick on them real quick here. There's kind of a progression here. Talking about the ministry of Jesus and what, what he was really all about. Just the first section of it here. But the chapter 1 of Hebrews, just pick it up in verse 5. Uh, he's talking about Jesus. He says, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. So that was the first point of the book of Hebrews, that God said to Jesus, he never said this to anyone else, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Now in verse 8, uh, But to the son, he says, And your throne, O God, so he's calling the son God, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. So not only is he a son, but he is, he is God, and he is to reign. Verse 13, what is he to reign? He reigns over, verse 13, to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So his, his rulership uh, includes... Reigning over the enemies of God. And he said that to his son. Chapter 2, pick it up in verse 10. He moves the, the message a little bit to include us. Verse 10. For it was fitting for him, Jesus, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So he is bringing not just Jesus into a status of what he should be. He's bringing you. He's not ashamed to call you brethren. Now there is one little nugget in there about being brought to this level with Jesus is that we are being sanctified. He who is sanctified, Jesus, and those who are being sanctified, you. Do you realize that that has an impact on your life? Being sanctified. It's a powerful word that goes all through the Bible. The essence of sanctification is to be holy. And holiness means to be set apart from everything else. No worldly 
mixture involved. You are completely God's. Completely. And so you think about it, to be God's, there could be nothing else there. There can't be a little bit of darkness, because he is light and there's no darkness at all in him. There has, you have to be uh, pure, as he is pure. There's no sin in him at all. So he is separating us from all those elements which causes us to be like that. Jesus was that way, and we are to be that way too. Okay, So he's pulling us apart from the world and making us able to be completely with him. And folks, this is the status you've got to get to forever. In heaven, there's no more sin. There's no more video games. That was cheap. There's no more football, maybe. (laughs) Aggies are out, dude. I'm sorry. And then in chapter 3, he takes this, chapter 3 and and 4 a little bit, and he compares our walk as being like Jesus, the Son of God, and we're to be sons as well, and ruling over our enemies like he does. And he compares it to what happened to his people Israel as they went through the wilderness and into the promised land. So he would say, take an example of them and apply it to your life. Our promised land, folks, is literally taking this world over for God's sake. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. So our promised land is the world. Their promised land was Canaan. He said, don't be like the first generation, which wouldn't do it because of their unbelief. Be like the second one. Enter on in. You're going into the promised land. And that's been sort of the mantra here. At this church for the last, well, ever since 2017, we went to Lake City. It's like God said, now you're going to go in. And you're going to deal with these enemies. And you're supposed to rule over them. You're supposed to take the kingdoms of this world for his sake. So you have to be sanctified for that. And then he moves on into chapter 4. And he ends chapter 4 with this point. That in order for us to do the business that we need to do in living this way, we need a priest. We need a priest because, folks, life will mess you up. Life will hurt you. Life will stain you. It will trip you. You will make mistakes. It will challenge you where you can't do something that needs to be done. You know, it's, a, it's a bigger than you are. You need a priest. And, and, and so the priesthood was sent by God in the first place to be a, a minister to people. The, the priesthood itself was man's ability to, through their ministry, man could be before God. They could, they could, they could actually connect to God and get the things that God has. Without the priesthood, I couldn't do it. They were so important to connect us to the one that could do what needed to be done. And they could also fix my sin issue. The priesthood was amazingly important. Okay, And so, not only was Jesus the Son of God, he's going to have a throne, he is also called the High Priest. Look in chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great High Priest, not just a priest, but the highest of the priests, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a High Priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but is in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, that's my sin issue, and find grace, the power I need to do what's before me. Grace to help in a time of need. All right? That's what he does for us. He plugs us in to this need that we have and the the giver of the need. He's like he stands between man and God. He's grabbing hold of both of us. So that we can both connect to one another. And the beauty of it is, is he's, I love the King James, he is not one who can't be touched with the feelings that we have. He's touched with our feelings. That's where we sympathize. Soon by fail. To suffer together. Whatever you feel, he feels. What's in your heart, hits his heart. And that's an emotional issue. Would you agree? That's an emotional thing. Life can be really hard sometimes. 
And you need someone to get in there with you. And I say, oh, I understand. No, they really understand because they're feeling it too. And they can even use words that comes from those feelings that makes you know they understand what you're feeling. And in that kind of connection, you have now touched the God that can, that can, that can do whatever needs to be done. Fix your sin if that's the issue. Grab a hold of power if that's the issue. Whatever it is, he connects you to that answer. He is touched. He's always been touched. Sympathia, what a word. What a word. There's some idioms about that. One of the words for it is compassion. I love the, the Hispanic word for compassion. Compassion. To literally feel what you feel. Compassion. You're in there. You're in their skin. It means, like these idioms, to feel in one's heart just like another one feels. Can you believe that? God in heaven, in his heart, is feeling what you feel because that connection with Jesus is there. And he's, he's feeling it. You go through the waters, he's with you. You go through the fire, he's with you. And all the things that come from those challenging things, he understands it because he's with you. Another idiom is to treat like a loving child. That sounds like mother's love, doesn't it? Happy Mother's Day. You know how moms are? You can't shake them off you. They're going to love you in spite of everything. And sometimes it's kind of funny, especially teenage boys. Ah, mom, you know, get off me, but please hug me when I need it. You can't shake a mom's love. Sympatheo. She feels what you feel. I mean, from the get-go, they feel that, right? And it gets to the point, again, the young man cracks me up. Get off my head! You know, oh, she's just trying to love on you. They never will stop that, by the way. Till the day they die. They have it in them. Where'd they get that from? God. The God who created the man, created the woman, after his own image. He is that way. So it's good that we commemorate mothers. You're like God. Emotion is okay. Gentlemen, did you hear that? Is it always okay? Is compassion always the answer? Thank you. We're going to find out more. It's an emotion. But this emotion triggers the miracles of Christ. Many of them. So I've been wanting that. I've been asking God for that. Well, then it moves on in the rest of Hebrews. It talks about that priesthood of Christ. Being not just like the high priest of Aaron, it was like Melchizedek. In other words, it was forever. Melchizedek was forever. And he was also a king. Now, we too are called into that ministry. Look over Revelation chapter 1. He's calling many sons into this calling with Christ. Jesus is the, the head. We are the body. I mean, we're part of what he is, what he does. We're a part of that. Revelation 1, verse 5. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. That's what he's called to do. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God. And Father. So we're called to the same thing. To his God. We're priests. Now get this, folks. To whom? To his God and Father. So our priesthood has more than just being the connection from the heavens to the earth. It goes back and forth. Look over with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Let's look at the, uh, you know, the beginning of the whole priesthood thing. We're looking to, in the Old Testament here for that. You know, there were 12 tribes of Israel. 
One of them God set aside to be these priests. But the whole plan of God, to be honest with you, was that eventually that the entire nation would, be, would become a kingdom of priests. That was his desire. It never happened. That's what he wanted. And so we saw that's exactly what he wanted because we just read it in Revelation. He's going to end it up that way. We are going to get there. But in, in Deuteronomy, it talks about the priesthood with the Levites. Chapter 10, Moses, verse 8, talks about what he said uh, in the wilderness. At that time, verse 8, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. So there's two things that the priests were supposed to do. And we have this ministries. Let's just pick it up in reverse order. Number one, the priesthood were to bless the people in his name. And I just described some of it when we were reading Hebrews. He feels our feelings and he can take those to God. The Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for you. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you. He feels what you feel. He can take that to God and really explain it to him. And our Father hears that and he answers that. And that whole thing is a blessing. So that's what they were first designed to do is, is to connect the people to God and bless them. You know, like I said, the, the ministry represented the people. The priests, they represented the people before God. They're like a lawyer. It was through his ministry that Israel even had access to God. I thank God that they get, he gave them compassion so that we, we could, they could do it in the right way. The second part of what he was to do, though, is, is the part that we never really focus on. He is to minister to God. I wonder which one matters most, or do they both equal out? What do you think? Do we ever miss our ministry to God in the name of compassion to men? Happy Mother's Day. Because, see, there is an end to how far we go with this ministry to men. Never mistake this, folks. There are two great commandments. The first commandment. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All right? The second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Never confuse the two. Don't, don't try to put number two as number one. It's not. The first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord. Amen? So let's look at some of that because I think that some of that is, is really in front of us right now. You know, something happened here. I've been, like I said, I've been, I've been really asking God, God, you know, I want to go back to the way it was before I got all messed up with life. You know, life can really stomp on your desire even to feel for anybody. You get enough hammerings, you don't want to feel nothing. But I've been asking God, fix that. I would like to, to be like I was when I was a little boy. I really did feel for other people. And because of that, just to be honest with you, kids, as I grew up, kids were always coming to me. They wouldn't come to my, like to my brother or my uncle who was just a few years older, but they would come to me. They felt safe with me. And, uh, and I, I don't know, it was, just a, it was a gentleness or something. I don't know what it was. I lost that a long time ago. I think Mike still has it. I need to get him to lay hands on me. But I wanted that. I wanted to see somebody in their trouble and feel like Jesus feels for them. And ask him, would you do something here? And watch him do something that matters. Except, you know, not just, oh, I hope you do well. No, how about healing them? Or lifting them up out of the state that they're in. That's what I've been asking him for. I think the body of Christ needs that going forward. We got a world that's in trouble. And it needs to be touched by the love of God. It needs it. So I've been asking him for that. But there's some other stuff begin to take place in the last 
few weeks that just rattled my head. Rattled my head. And specifically, um, the guy that started this church, Dan, died. That rattled my head. Because he wasn't the first one that, that died. Uh, he was, there was others. But it was like, the, like he was, for this church, he's for sure a representative of a group, of, of a time. He was a leader of a time. And we're, we, the, the end of that time is upon us. For the last 40 or 50 years, the church has been a certain way. And we, I, I have to say this, we're in worse shape today than we were 40 or 50 years ago. The church is in worse shape. America, for sure, is in worse shape. Even though we've gotten more technology, things are easier, pay, people make more money, there's more things to do. I mean, there's, there's endless supply of things that we can do. We're wealthy, we're healthy, we live longer, and yet we're not better. Would y'all agree with that? I'm not trying to throw stones at anybody, because the thing is, is I live through all of that. So, you know, if I'm going to throw a rock, I might as well hit myself in the head here. Uh, we have spawned some stuff that needs to be addressed. And I think when you change generations like that, it's the time to look at it. Kind of like what happened when Saul died and David took over. I'm not here to blame anybody. I'm not here to put anybody down. But I'm here to call out some obvious things that need to change. Okay, And I won't change it with just compassion toward people. Okay, y'all, you with me? I still want that compassion toward people. I've got only God to heal people because we need that. But there's more to the picture. It's not just ministry to people. It's ministry to God. Okay? So, here's a scripture that came to me. Look over in uh, Ezekiel 36. There is a Hebrew version of sympatheo, compassion, feeling it. There is a Hebrew version of that. And it incites an emotional reaction where something is actually done to fix that problem. You see that word here in Ezekiel 36. It's interesting how it's applied. Verse 21, God is speaking here. He said, I had concern, that's the Hebrew version of Sympatheo. I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. That's what I've got. Well, wow. So we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to minister to God as well as to man. And one of the motivations for ministry to man is compassion. Same kind of word here. We are to minister to God with compassion. Because right. God is having compassion on something that matters to him. If, if something matters to God to the level of emotion, it should matter to you. You know, the Bible says in the New Testament that you should not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, that word grieve, doesn't that kind of, is that a word for emotion? Would y'all call that emotion, grief? How can you bring God to tears? Obviously, we can. Because he says, don't do that. You can grieve him. You can hurt his heart. And here... We have him making the statement that you have hurt, or the people of his, called by his name, have hurt his name, which is holy. Now, we started this off in the Hebrews saying that, you know, one of the things, the works of Christ, one of the works that God did in Christ and in us is that he would sanctify us. 
He would make us holy because he is holy. And we're supposed to, at some point, folks, rise up to his level and be like him. Well, he is holy. And he said, instead of that happening, what instead has happened is that you have profaned it. That's an interesting name, uh, profaned, or an interesting word. It means to make it common. In other words, you're saying that his name, or that God himself, because it represents who he is, is no different than anything else. He's just like what we watch on TV or seeing out on the streets. He's not any different than Billy or me or a woman or a kid. He's just the same. And anything that disrupts the plan or the planned order of God is profane. Think about that one. What is the planned order of God? Well, it covers a lot of different things. You would agree, I hope. Government, the way we do our life, the way we do our family. Because our family is supposed to be a reflection of the family of God. Amen? There's a pecking order, if that's the right word. I mean, there's a, better said, there's an authority order. How many of you think that Jesus is just like God? Is he God? Of course he's a God. He said he was. In fact, we just read a scripture. He said to his son, You're, you are God. You're God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all God. Is Jesus any less than Father God? No. Is he any less than the Holy Spirit? No. They're one. Okay? So I'm not talking about uh, relative quality or anything. One's not greater than the other. They're all the same. Now then, and yet, in the order of God, you have the Father, and underneath that, the Son submitting himself to the Father. And below that, in the order of God, in the family of God, you have the man, right? Who also is called a son of God. And below that, you have a woman, now, is there any difference in quality between a man and a woman? No. They're just in a different position. And yet, when we get out of the planned order of God, and a woman begins to, to exercise authority over the man, and the kids go crazy, that's profane. You have disrupted the planned order of God, and by that, you have profaned His holy name. And guess what? He has compassion for his name. Now, if compassion motivated Jesus to heal multitudes and feed multitudes, what would that same compassion do concerning the name of God? I think it would change things. Amen? Are you all with me? Do you all understand what I'm trying to say? Something's wrong here. And we've got to look at it. We've profaned his name. Well, how? How did we do it? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. <laughs> For those that were at Sunday school, you should like this one. Deuteronomy 5, which lists the Ten Commandments. We've already said there's a one and a two, and then there's actually ten here. They can separate them out a little bit more. The first set, the first five of them are about how you worship God, serve God. The second five are how you love your, your neighbor. So we're going to a little bit more depth. Now look at chapter five, verse seven. Here's the Ten Commandments. We're just going to cover two of them. The first one, you shall have no other gods before me. The second one, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, an idol. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And on he goes. When he says he's jealous, you think jealousy down on earth looks bad. You ought to see it in heaven. He ain't putting up with it. 
When God sees idolatry, he calls that adultery to him. And he is hacked over that. And that's one of the reasons he was had concern for his holy name. Is that we have allowed idolatry to end. In a bad way. You know, God hates it so bad, folks. Sometimes I think we forget just how much an emotional response that God has towards idolatry. We think, ah, that's not a big deal. Not really. It's not that big of a deal. Because people seem to get away with it. You know, especially like today in our society. You know, we have superstars, right? And if you're a superstar, you can believe and say anything. How many guys like LeBron James? Three. Uh, give me another one. Who's uh, Beyonce? I'm not making any progress here. Uh, let's go back to LeBron James. There ain't no better basketball player on the planet. Love Steph Curry, but okay, we'll take Steph Curry. Let's just take Steph Curry. Are you ready? You want Steph Curry? I'll give you Steph Curry. Because I did hear him the other day give all the praise to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he'll vote Democrat every day. I bet you. Because I have, I mean, you know what? They invited him to the, the White House with Trump. He wouldn't go. So who's he going to choose, do you think, to be the leader of the nation? God? Really? Let's just get down to it. Or God-haters. God-mockers. And every time you vote Democrat, you just did that. You made yourself a partaker of the sins of those people. They're going to bring an abortion. Even after the baby's born? Yeah. Murder. 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 Gay marriage. Can I go on? And you're going to call that God? And give all the praise to him? Seriously. Don't bring up Steph Curry again. I got more. Now you're seeing the emotion that comes through a priest on behalf of God. I tell you, there are some things when it hits that thing about you're going to defame his name, you're going to get the you're going to get the other side of Larry because I will not stop. I will not stop. You know, no hiding. Don't get any crap logic. You know, and all it hurts. I don't care. There's one God. You ain't it. Amen. It's time to call it out, folks. No more BS. And so preachers that preach this crap, they God strike them down. And I can name names. I will. I mean, I will not stop. You got me one. I was going to do good on LeBron James, but y'all pulled out one that, you know, And I like the guy. He can shoot that basketball. But I have a different issue. I don't care how good he is. You can make an idol out of that guy. Beyonce. All these people who proclaim that they're Christians and they can then defame the name of God because they got wealth, they got money, they got fame, they got position. I could give a rip. Amen. So what does God do about that? Well, you, I think you got a taste of how he feels. Look, folks, I've gotten to myself like this before, and God smite me bad because it was about me, not him. My emotion is not what drives this deal. In fact, I woke up the other day with this. I do not want my emotion to rule me because my emotion is tied to my will. Then I woke up, and I, I'm not kidding you, and, and Pam Bennett sent me a, a, a email saying, uh, from Dutch Sheets, 
I will not let my emotions rule me. I thought, well, I think I'm on the right path. So emotions good if God can direct it and direct it to where he wants and lead it and, and subject it to his will. Think Jesus had emotion when he was facing death? And what was his only prayer at the end? Your will be done, not mine. It was hard sometimes to have emotion and then direct it to the Lord and submit it. Then there were other times he had emotion and he, I mean, he, he just, he wiped the temple out of people that were betraying God and God didn't smite him for it because he says, the jealousy of your house has eaten me up. God is a jealous God and he's tired of these games. So here's what he does. Deuteronomy, you're going to love this. That was a, ha-ha, <clears throat> 13. Look at what God does concerning his house that profanes his name. Chapter 13 of Deuteronomy. Look at the caption above the chapter. Punishment of apostates. People who left their place with God, and they had a place with God, slip. And other things took number one place. That's what apostasy does. God loses number one status in your life. Other things take that place. It is so bad that in verse 6, 7, where am I at? 6. He says this, if your brother, now maybe you should underline some of these people. Because this gets close to home. Like literally. Brother, that's pretty close to home. Not close enough for you? How about the son of your mother? Or your son? Or your daughter? How about your wife? The wife of your bosom? Or your friend who is as your own soul? Secretly entices you saying, let us go and serve other gods which you have not known, neither have your fathers. Of the gods of the people which are all around you, Near to you or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. You, look at verse 8, you shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye have concern, compassion, pity, sympatheo. I don't care how you feel. Do not have that for him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him. Here's what you should do. You shall surely, uh, surely kill him. That's amazing. But your hand shall be first against him to put him to death. Who's first? You're first. You're not waiting for someone else to do your business. If this is my brother, my son, my daughter, my wife, my hand is the first hand to kill him. And after the hand of all the people. And you shall stone him with stones until he dies. Because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So shall all Israel shall hear and fear and not again do such wickedness as this among you. Still like that one? Well, you know what? You think, well, that's Old Testament, Larry. Mm -hmm. Look at Luke chapter 12. Luke 12. And it's a good thing I have that red letter edition so we know who's speaking. Jesus speaking. So there's not some man's version of what Jesus is saying. This is Jesus, God Almighty, speaking about the same issue. Verse 12, verse 49, chapter 12, 49. I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it's accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now, from now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two, two against three. In one house, sounds like a family. Father will be divided against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Isn't it interesting, people, and this is not, it sounds like a joke, but it's not a joke. How many more times women are mentioned in that than men? Do you think that's accidental? 
And you know why? Because ladies, you were created after God's own image in the emotional realm. And God wants to save everybody. And so you relate like men don't relate to everybody. But you cannot let that rule you. Because that's commandment number two. Commandment number one is Father God. Now, the men aren't excluded from this. But we need men to be men again. And if it's a bunch of jazz going on, usually the man's the one that's going to stand up and say, it's over. Right? Right, guys? Now, you can do that in the wrong spirit. And I'm not advocating that you do that. You get your butt handed to you. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He'll lead you. But you can't put up with that stuff anymore. God is holy. And you're to be holy. Is that New Testament enough for you? There's more. Go read Matthew 10. Same thing. And Matthew 10 is about us being sent out for him in the end time. So we're supposed to be like him, speaking the same thing. And it's going to happen, folks. It's going to happen in the church. He starts with his house. Now, I see these things that the church has got to deal with. These are leftovers from the previous generation. They need to be, they need to be cleaned up. We've been living in it. It has not stopped. And it's only going to stop when we stand up and call it a sin. And we have, I'm just to be honest with you, we have leaders of the previous generation that are still living today who won't call it sin because they've been compromised because it's in their own home. And I'm sorry when it gets into your own home. I don't wish that on anybody. I mean, I get it. It goes to the nub of who you are. There's no more hiding. You just say a lot of stuff, but when you get down to it, what will you do? We talked in Sunday school today about uh, what happens if your daughter gets pregnant. Is abortion on the table? Is the thought of it on the table? Well, see, we can say yes or no all we want to until it happens. And now we know. There ain't nothing like it, folks. Life is real when it gets real. So here's some of the stuff. Leviticus. These are things that I just felt like the Lord is showing. These are coming down. And they're in the church. That's what kills me. I mean, it's obviously in, the, in, in our nation, in our world, in spades, but in the church. Leviticus 18. Four things. Verse 21. You shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God. So part of the profaning the name of God is letting your seed pass through the fire to Molech. That is abortion. We have done that. We are still doing that. That profanes the name of God. Folks, God is life, not death. He's a God of the living. And when we kill our own babies, because we can't even see them, and that doesn't even seem to matter, the progression that we have gotten on in, in that one subject is unbelievable. I mean, I was just stunned when I watched that governor of Virginia, a doctor for God's sake, talk like he was talking about, you know, his last game of spades or something. Well, when the baby's born and uh, I'll be talking to the mom and we'll just have a conversation. We'll make sure the baby is comfortable. And then we'll decide, should we uh, let it live? Or should we just go ahead and kill it now? And you just go, you go ballistic. And like I said in Sunday school, is that really any different than having an abortion when you're one month pregnant? What's the difference? Eight months. It's a matter of time. It's not substance. Right? So, and here's the problem. We're all guilty. Not all of us, but a lot of us. 
and not confessed, not forgiven. Try that one on. Not confessed, you're not free. And we have no authority to speak to it. Because we're not free. Unconfessed sin is sin that's still there. Your guilt's still there. And the wonder of it all is that Jesus would let it go. He would cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He promised that he would. But we would rather hide. Oh, I can't let anybody know that. I get it. I I really do get it. But that's not your answer, folks. I'm sorry. There's no other answer than to confess your sins one to another, pray for one another that you be healed. And God will be faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness by the blood of Jesus. Amen? What a winner. Number two. Next verse. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Do we have that issue? To the point that in the body of Christ, we have major figures who say they don't know if that's okay or not. It's the truth. Uh, there's a singer. I won't mention her name. Starts with an L. It's not Larry. You don't want me to sing. Used to be a lesbian. Asked if, if homosexuality is a sin. Said she didn't know. You should read the Bible and find out. And if you find out, tell her because she still don't know. I mean, I really sympathize with the fact that she has to deal with that issue. Sympatheo. I get it. It's a spirit that's attacked that little girl. Bad stuff probably happened in her life. Got her to where she said, I get the problem. But that's not the solution. And it's getting worse in the body of Christ. Big time preacher in Dallas. Same issue. He said his, issue, his, his stance on, on gay marriage is that they should find a church somewhere that will accept it. Because all churches are not quite the same. And it's okay to find a church that agrees with you. Because my position on that has evolved and is evolving. Really. And this guy's a mega church Pastor. And then we find out later there was a raid on a gay bar in Dallas and his son was found there with his pants down. Okay, so why is it evolving? And the result of what your action has profaned in the name of God. So what must you do? Well, preach a changed doctrine, of course. <laughs> Folks, this is sick. Sick. And I, I, I say, I hope to God none of my kids or grandkids ever have to go down that path. But Jesus said that it would. Happy Mother's Day. I get these, I get these things on Mother's Day. I've noticed that. The, the next one. Malachi. Chapter 2. Since I'm an equal opportunity offender... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Verse 10. This whole book, Malachi, is an amazing book. Verse 10. He's speaking to the entire nation. Have we not all one Father? Yes. Has not one God created us? So why do you deal treacherously with one another? By profaning, there it is again. The covenant of the fathers. Judah has dealt treacherously. An abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. He's married the daughter of a foreign god. In other words, he's doing adultery. So he's doing idolatry. So why? What is he talking about? Let's just clear the mist. He's talking about money. I've got an entire teaching on this. I'm not going to go into all of it. But this is what it comes down to. He's tired of his uneven scales. Do you see it in the property invasive? 
Why is gas 30 cents a gallon more than it is in Lubbock? Because we can't. Capitalism, baby. Baby. Yeah, capitalism is a doctrine of the Lord, don't you know? Really. Good luck at the judgment seat of the cross with that BS. You got a lot of BS going here. Bovine scatology for the uninitiated. So, well, I did it because I could. That's just business. Okay. Far out, dude. Go read James 5. That, buck, that silver and gold that you've accumulated, at one point, Jesus says, that will be a witness against you. And the cries of the ones that you have dealt treacherously with, and making sure they don't get all that money that you do, those cries go up to the Lord of Sabaoth, who is Jesus Christ, and it ticks him off that you would treat his bride like that. Do we have issues like that in Andrews? I mean, we, really? Do they go to church? Then they're profaning the name of God. Don't go to church. It'll be better for you. I'm serious. Hypocrites get a special brand of his ire. Amen. Okay. Malachi 2, verse 5. There's more. Talking about the priesthood. My covenant was with him. One of life and peace, and I gave it to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and in equity, and turned many away from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I have made you contemptible and base before all the people, because you have not kept my ways, but you have shown partiality in the law. And I could go on with this. And Ezekiel talks about those priests that did it. They minister to the people in front of their idols. A priest is supposed to tell the people the difference between what is holy and what is profane. What is clean and unclean. And instead of doing that, they say, oh, it's okay, it's just business. Make sure you tithe. And we're good. Those priests that do that, when Jesus comes back and sets up his thousand-year reign, they won't get to go near God. They can kind of hang out in the outer court. But those that will call it out, during these days, they get to go near God and minister to Him. That's their reward. So, I just called a bunch of them now. And I got more. But it can't be so here, folks. Now, last one. However, He is calling out a people that will hear Him. There is an invitation in these days to those that will listen to Him. The good news for you, prophetically, he's already done this to you. I had no idea what he was doing. But the first time I heard him say this, we were going to Lake City, he says, Malachi 3, I'm inviting my people to be my jewels. That's the same word that is used in Ezekiel 19, which says, you will be a kingdom of priests to me. He's inviting you to be the priest that he wants, that can have compassion for people when God does. They can have compassion for God and his holy name. He's inviting you to be that person. But you've got to make some tough choices along the way. Chapter 3, verse 17. Verse 16. They, those who feared the Lord spoke one to another. And the Lord listened and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord. And those who meditate on his name. They shall be mine says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, that day is coming. I will spare them. That's that same word, sympatheo. I will have compassion on them. Why? Because they're having compassion on my name. I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. And folks, if you say you love God and don't do his commandments, you're going to miss this one. Then, look at verse 18. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked. 
between one who serves God and one who does not serve God. It's going to become very clear. Now, I'm going to end it with this. Uh, this rattled me bad, as you can probably tell. Uh, I mean, my, my head was spinning. I go, oh, my God. I don't know what, where I'm at. Because on the one hand, I want to have this emotion. And then on the other hand, I'm presented with some stuff that's blowing me away. And I don't know which one I'm on. I'm not, I, where am I? Am I with God or am I fixed to get my tail kicked over the goalpost of life? I really don't know. Until today. And it was a consistent theme. He finally opened it up to me. You're okay. But I am talking to you in a way that you will understand, Larry. Here's the word for you that he told me. Do not be stubborn. He reminded me of the day 35 years ago when he spoke to me directly in a car and says, you're stubborn. I thought, well, I did. See, the Bible says that stubbornness is idolatry. And I have, that's a word for all of you. Because I would venture to say that all of you have an issue with stubbornness. If you don't believe it, ask your spouse. I'm serious. Time for that to stop. Okay? And, I, and I'm not condemning you because you have it. Well, you were born with it. But these are the things that God chases us over. And he chases us because he loves us. And the fact that he is still chasing you means he's still got you on his, he's got you where he wants you. Psalm 139 again. So don't resist him. And a lot of the things I just told you, folks, have become issues of doctrine in the body of Christ. I can't believe it. That that would be an issue of doctrine in a church. And yet it is. And we got a generation rising up, and they're going to fight us over that. Just hang on and watch. In fact, push the envelope a little bit and bring it up at the dinner table. Let's just see where we really are. Ask them. And, it, and it's not just doctrine on that, it's a doctrine, period. Because God is doing new things, and if you've got an old wineskin mindset, get ready. Your butt's fixed to be handed to you as well. Stubbornness is idolatry. Don't do it. I think I'm done here. Y'all have a good meal today, okay? And love each other. And I think I'll just leave you, you know. Maybe I should pray for you. Maybe I should do that. I think I'll do that. Father, I do that. I pray for him. Oh, God, would you please have compassion on us? Father, there's ever a time for a need of mercy. It's now. I have such a, a, a desire to hit my knees before you and say, God, please, please don't mark sin now. Give us a minute. Let us hear this and then do business with you. Just please give us a little space of time. That we can be serious for a moment and seriously look at ourselves to see, is there any leaven here? Like the disciples did when they heard the, the bad news that someone in the group is going to betray him. Eleven of them said, Lord, is it me? That's the honesty that we need. If it's me, just tell me. Maybe I can repent. But the one that really did it just booked it. Didn't want to know if it was him. God, I want to know. Is it me? Is it me? Change my heart, oh God. Make it like yours. Change my motivations that I can't even see sometimes. And put in me a clean heart. And don't take your Holy Spirit away. Please don't. But if you must withdraw him for a moment so that we'll know that you're serious, you can do that. Only to remind us, please, 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 that we need to search for you now if we ever have before. Today, we must. Convict your people. It's the best thing I can pray for anybody is that you would convict us.
So we could seek you. It's your faithful, I know you are. Fix us. Strengthen us. Give us boldness that comes only from knowing that you have forgiven me. So that's the second thing I would ask for. No more stubbornness, but give me humility. Please, please. A good dose of that every morning so I can walk with you and be your instrument of priesthood in this day in which we live. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.